Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we talk about all things legends versus canon in regards to Star Wars. I am Austin, also known as Teacup. And I am Ben of Tamaria. Yeah, all right. So Ben, May the 4th happens in like two days. Right? It, I, this This month alone is the Star Wars month. So not only do we have May the 4th this week, we're going to get Kenobi at the end of the month with Star Wars celebrations. Yes, which always comes with the announcement of new games, new shows, potential new movies. Oh yeah, it's it's it, this one's to, to watch. Yeah. yeah. So in celebration of May the fourth. And May being a good Star Wars month, what do we have lined up for us? So today is going to be a very special episode. We are going to go over Obi-Wan Kenobi's history, specifically through the Legends material. So at the end of the month, when his show comes out, we'll be able to see the differences, what they changed from what we get, what we will see in Legends today and what Disney changed for the show. Yeah, because they'll probably change a good deal, if I had to guess. <laughs> oh, yes. And just doing this research alone, like, I can already tell there's going to be a lot of changes. Yeah. So, you want to just dive right in? Yeah. So, starting with Kenobi, um, we'll start in his, like, early history in the Legends, since we do get some of the stuff in the current canon with the Master and Apprentice book that they came out with. Uh, a couple years ago, but um, Obi-Wan was born in 57 BBY. He was the first son of a, a wealthy family on the planet uh, Stujan, and then was taken to Coruscant while he was still in infancy. So he was very much like any other youngling that is founded by the Jedi Temple, uh, taken in basically when he's a baby, and been trained from childhood. That's so interesting. 
that he's taken as an infant because in Master and Apprentice, the canon book, we learned that Obi-Wan is like taken on for training late in like as a child, same as Anakin was. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, I did not know. And then uh, why he's in training um, as a Jedi initiate, Kenobi is trained under uh, Grandmaster Yoda and alongside other Jedi of his age. And what this is what's really shocking to me when I found out about this. Due to his ability to learn very quickly, Obi-Wan actually became very arrogant and often impatient under, but under the careful guidance of Yoda, he became more humble and reserved. So in his early years while he's training, it sounds like he was exactly like Anakin. Yeah, just, uh, and it kind of brings to mind of, I forget exactly what the line is, but uh, Yoda's basically complaining about Luke and is like, uh, he's too rash and impulsive or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. And then Obi-Wan's mm-hmm. just like, so was I, if you mm-hmm. recall. And then uh, despite his rapid growth as a Jedi, by the time Kenobi reached the age of 12, um, it seemed like his chances of becoming a Jedi Knight had passed, passed him by. So he thought he was, wasn't able to become a Knight uh, at this time. Um, and the younglings who weren't selected by uh, to be Padawans by the age of 13 shifted into one of the divisions of the Jedi Service Corps. And the Jedi Service Corps were more of the Jedi who typically stay at the temple, do research, possibly um, stay on guard at times of certain locations in the temple, and so forth. And then one day... Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn visits, visits the Jedi Temple to watch uh, matches between the initiates. Kenobi dueled one of his competitors, uh, Brook Chun, to draw the attention of the Jedi Knights. Kenobi fought valiantly to the point of exhaustion, and in the final offensive against Chun was carried out so uh, fiercely that Jinn thought Kenobi was too dangerous and declined to train him. Uh, then uh, Kenobi was sent to a mining colony on Batomir to work as a plowman for the Agricor. So it shows that in his young age, even at the age of 12, Kenobi was very aggressive and too eager to become a knight or to be go on the path of becoming a knight. And then uh, later, while he's on this mining um, colony, uh, during an altercation with Xanatos, Jin discovers Kenobi's true potential um, and took him as a Padawan learner. So their relationship, believe it or not, between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan starts really bad as the pair of personalities were constantly at odds with each other. While Qui-Gon was being headstrong, Kenobi was more practical. And as time has went on, they eventually, their natures blended and then them to be an effective duo. So Qui-Gon, we all know Qui-Gon from episode one. He's very open-minded 
with a lot of things compared to how most of the council are. Hence why he doesn't want to be part of the council. And then Obi-Wan is the complete opposite. He's more towards what the council wants them to do and wants to see what a Jedi typically is. It's really interesting to like hear about this. And then, cause I've read master and apprentice and it's one of the more recent star Wars books I've read, which is saying something. Cause that was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but so in master and apprentice, basically the whole premise sets up is that Qui-Gon is invited into the Jedi council. Um, but that would mean that he would have to leave Obi-Wan and their relationship is rocky. And so a lot of the book is Qui-Gon wrestling with, should he leave Obi-Wan to another trainer and go to the council because members of the Jedi council can't hold, can't have Padawans. Um, And it's just interesting because it's, it's similar steps to get to where they are before episode one, but just with slight details changed. Um, they do go to a mining world um, and they deal with all kinds of stuff there. There is mm-hmm. talk about Obi-Wan being like late picked for an apprentice and thinking that he would have to go to the Jedi service Corps. Um, so, so in canons, basically they're just flipping the events around. Yeah, that sort of, um, and it's more of like, I guess Qui-Gon is a little more like, it's not that he's not practical, it's that he's thinking in a way that Obi-Wan isn't. Um, He's seen a larger picture and Qui-Gon is attempting to be attuned and listen to a much larger view of the Force than Obi-Wan is at the moment, and it's really interesting because there's a conversation that happens in there where where Obi-Wan's like, why did they put you with me? And he was like, you know, before Obi-Wan was Qui-Gon's apprentice, Obi-Wan was a rule breaker. He wanted to push the limits. He wanted to rebel and do all all of that. Mm -hmm. And then they put him with Qui-Gon, who is also like that. And Obi-Wan kind of swings the pendulum the other way and becomes this staunch rule follower of what the Jedi are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and Qui-Gon very much pushes against that, and that creates a lot of tension in their relationship. But yeah, but similar to the Legend story, they finally have points where they work together and they gain a new respect for one another. And as we know, Qui-Gon doesn't join the Jedi Council, and he remains Obi-Wan's master. Mm-hmm. Yep. So after all the events of the mining facility, we get to um 32 bby so 25 year old kenobi and his master qui-gon are headed to the planet naboo on the on a uh, radiant seven cruiser on a mission to resolve the trade dispute so this is where we get to the events of episode one which if you've seen the film you know what happens um throughout the film you know they meet anakin uh, Qui-Gon wants to train Anakin as a Jedi because he believes the chosen one towards the end of the film, you know, Qui-Gon passes from Darth Maul and then Obi-Wan becoming a knight at the end of the film and then taking Anakin as a student. So that's all. I mean, when it comes to the movies, it stays the same with legends and canon regardless. 
Uh, but then this is this is what really caught my eye. During Skywalker's first year at the temple, he met this Tuscan Jedi apprentice, Ashard Hit, as the masked uh, Padawan attempted to meditate on a balcony in the cool night air. The Tuscan master, Canarian Ki Adi Mundi, comes out to scold Hep because of the late hour, and uh, his new Padawan needed a rest from a mission that they have to do the next day. So you see this, and then Anakin met them, and they tried to strike up a friendship, but uh, something that both he and um, Obi-Wan knew that it was going to be difficult to do because Anakin's from Tatooine. He's not going to get along with the Tuscan whatsoever. That's so interesting because I think that's the only reference to a Tuscan Raider being a Jedi. Correct. I believe so. I don't think there's... Not to my knowledge, at least. I don't think there is any... I mean, there might have been a one maybe through the Old Republic era somewhere. Maybe. Uh, but, the, I mean, it, And the lore of that. But yeah, it's it's interesting knowing there's a Tuscan Jedi before the Clone Wars. I mean, I know that every not everyone loves the idea of the midichlorians. Um, mm-hmm. But if they do exist in all living things, then that means that any species that is living has the ability to be force sensitive. Yes. Yeah. Or the potential to do so. Oh yeah. I mean, Tuscans are one. I mean, we see in, uh, if you play the older KOTOR games, there are like some of the leader of the, I believe in KOTOR one, one of the leaders of the Tuscan groups that you meet in KOTOR one is actually a force sensitive. And then you do find out in Legends, um, I think it's on one of the books, the comics, um, but there are also Jawas that are Force-sensitive as well. Um, and they, they could potentially become Force-wielders. I really, do, you have a, do you know where that interaction happens? Did they um, do a book or anything? Oh, shoot. Uh, I don't have it written down anywhere. I believe it's in one of the older books um i would have to look that up uh one sec i can actually look at that yeah well i was just curious i'd be curious to read that to see if like anakin can humanize the tuscan raider or if like he is still stuck in like how he was raised on tatooine and the inability to humanize this being in front of him which would be an interesting dynamic given his choice that's going to be coming up in a couple of mm-hmm. points. Yeah, I think, I mean, knowing Anakin, and this is just me speculating, um, I feel like that'd be something he won't really be able to humanize them because of his experience on Tatooine and how Tuscans are a very, more of a menace to anybody who lives on Tatooine, honestly. And vice versa. I would say that the like settlers of Tatooine are also a menace to the Tusken Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of conflict there. It is the comics. All right. Emissaries of Malastar uh, from 1998. Yeah. 
is where we get that reference from. But um, but yeah, then we get into after all that, we get into the Clone Wars, which I mean, you know, from episode two, the I mean, this is also who put the Clone Wars TV shows into this, too, because the show was running before Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm. So the Clone Wars show is actually canon and legends, just like the movies are. So you get that. So a lot of a lot of things happen with Obi-Wan through that. Mainly, you know, teaching Anakin and then um, get to the Clone Wars animated show where Obi-Wan then takes more of a backseat because uh, Anakin becomes a knight. He's not. Obi-Wan does his own thing with his own clone platoon uh, with Commander Cody. Anakin does his own thing with Rex and then eventually gets a soap as his own Padawan and vice versa. And then, um, then we get to episode three, Revenge of the Sith. With that film, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin do their own thing. You know, at the torso in the film, uh, Anakin falls to the dark side. Obi-Wan has to take down his old friend and apprentice. But, you know, at the end of the film, that doesn't happen. Not to what Obi-Wan thought, anyway. And then... uh, Let's see here. And then we get to the Imperial Era. So this is... um, When the Empire... When the Republic now becomes the Galactic Empire. Kenobi is forced to hide into hiding. Uh, He actually took Grievous's starfighter to Narshada. Sold the ship. And booked a passage to the desert world um, to Tatooine alongside his young passenger and baby uh, Luke Skywalker. Okay, I gotta pause here real quick. Okay. Because just the idea of infant Luke on Narshada of all places. Right. Uh, and those of you who might not know, um, Narshada is the, is like a crime hub of the galaxy. Um Mm-hmm. It would be a great place to travel unnoticed. Um, and you go there as in the second old Republic or the Knights of the Old Republic two game. Um, and yes. it's even marked there that this is a great place for someone to hide, especially from someone who's force sensitive. Cause there's so much life to blend into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just ironic that one of Luke's first like planet experiences as a child would have been Narshada. Right. Even though, I mean, he won't remember it and everything. But yeah, right. just having Obi-Wan taking the risk of taking him to Narshada. Yeah. Though, granted, it is Obi-Wan. So, I mean, he can fight off basically anything that comes their way. But right. yeah, it's an but, interesting I mean, it's a planet. Big, <laughs> it's a big risk. But, but like, I guess so is Tatooine because both are controlled by the Huts. Correct. That's true. Yeah, and then Obi-Wan, you know, self uh exile himself to Tatooine. He did uh spoke to his departed master Qui-Gon through the force um and a technique passed down to him by Yoda. So this is where when he's self-exiled himself, he does take on the training to become a force ghost. And then he then changed his name to Ben. So the locals uh on Tatooine don't know who he is. Yeah, he actually changed his name to Ben 
uh, because he saw a map of the property off of, of Bastine and admitted that there was some Mesa by that name. Uh, that's funny. So this is, I mean, this is where he, you know, goes to hiding. Everybody, nobody knows who he is. Does his own thing. So before we get into um, kind of we're at the point of where the show is going to pick up. So mm-hmm. before we get into that, I think we should uh, take our break. Yeah, let's go right ahead and do that. All right. Okay, uh, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all things that does not have to do with the Legends versus canon lore of Star Wars. Um, I want to take this time to let you know that if you want to support the show... There are two great ways to do that right now, which is one, just tell your friends about us. If you have friends who love Star Wars, who are curious about the lore and how it's different between Legends and Canon, just tell them to come check out our podcast. The other way to do that is to leave us a review or rate us on Spotify. Uh, If you leave us a five-star review with some words, we will read it on a future episode of the show. You don't have to have it or listen to um, our podcast on Spotify or Apple, uh, but you just need an account and you can go there and you can rate us. Um, Ben, I don't think we have a review to read today. Nope, not this week. All right. Well, review, review, review. You can also come and chat with us by joining the Robots Radio Discord or uh, a Discord, the Discord that runs with if you've listened to our other po- my other podcast with SheCup, we run a Discord server called the Cups Podcast and more, and you can come and chat there on talk to us about Star Wars. Yeah, you got anything, Ben? No, nah, I think you you covered everything pretty good. All right, well, let's get back into it. All right. All right, so. We last left off where, you know, Obi-Wan self-exiled uh, himself on Tatooine. So for the first few months of his self-imposed exile, Kenobi had no idea uh, what became of Vader. So he had no idea Anakin eventually became Vader uh, after he left his fate on Mustafar. But one day in a cantina, Kenobi finally heard that he was alive and when news reached him of vader's victory in the battle of kashyyyk he was shocked that the remaining jedi that they thought they could band together to defeat the sith lord had hoped they would have to go into hiding just like uh, Qui- uh obi-wan and yoda did so during the battle of kashyyyk there were some jedi that were trying to rebel against vader well it didn't work out and I believe the Battle of Kashyyyk, so with with Can or with the Legends, is I believe the same battle where Vader eventually finds uh, Star Killer. I believe I could be wrong on that. Yes, that is in fact uh, Star Killer's father is on Kashyyyk, and after Vader duels him, he discovers the young future Jedi and takes him as his secret assassin slash apprentice. Yes, which great games. If you've never played those games, games are amazing. Um, but then we get to um, Kenobi does visit the large homestead 
uh, every day, actually, and always staying clear of Owen and Biro so they would not see him watching Luke from afar. So if you watch the new trailer of Obi-Wan, you do see this in the beginning of the trailer where Obi-Wan's like on a ridge using micro binoculars uh, and just watching Luke, making sure nothing happens to him. And during these so-called visits, he would contemplate Anakin's death, quote unquote, uh, though he still had the inkling that he would be fact alive, as well as wondering why his former master, Jen, had not yet contacted him beyond death. During one of these visits, the Lars discover that 20 of their evacuators have been stolen by the Sand People, although Owen des- uh, decides to gather a group of farmers to combat the Tuscans. To win the uh, evaporators back through a bloody war, Kenobi had other ideas. So this this is where it's going to get back to where we see before all this happens. So Kenobi sets out on his own, tracks down the the Tuscans, the Sand People, contemplating memories of his old apprentice before finally meeting the group of Tuscans. At first, things went well. And as he quickly found out which tent the sand people were keeping the stolen evaporators in, and suddenly broke into the tent and located them and loaded them on a bantha without alerting the Tuscans, he was about to leave and then was spotted by a lone Tuscan raider male. So the raider attacked him immediately. Kenobi quickly sliced through the attacker's weapon with his lightsaber, causing the raider, raider to howl. And then obviously with that, it alerted all the other Tuscans in the camp. So uh, who all came out to meet him at, with, as a foe, they all attacked him. And through Kenobi found himself drawing his anger. He let go of the dark side and destruction feeling. Instead of murdering the entire clan, like Anakin did in the past, Kenobi cleverly chose to cut their clothes to reveal their skin, a taboo in the sand people, which th- usually results in others to try murdering the offenders. Uh, this gives him time to escape on the bantha with evaporators and to gain the legendary reputation amongst the sand people. So this is why, like, the sand people don't like Kenobi or are afraid of him on- constantly because he doesn't kill them. He just basically dishonors them by cutting their clothes. It's a big power move. Oh, yeah. That's better than, you know, wiping out an entire clan like Anakin did in episode two. <laughs> and then uh, on a returning to the Lars homestead, Kenobi uh, was met with a very icy welcome. So Owen informed him that he did not need the help, uh, that they were uh, that they were a family, could have handled it on their own. Kenobi left the farm, returned into solitude and uh, complication. So, like, as you can tell, Owen does not like Obi-Wan whatsoever. Owen doesn't like Jedi, period. Uh, you get that in A New Hope. When Luke asks, asks about Ben, Owen does not, does not like him whatsoever. And then, um, unknown to Kenobi, he was actually being hunted by Vader, who had tortured several Jedi in the order to find Kenobi's whereabouts, and... Spare no expense to do so. This would work in Vader's disadvantage, however, uh, when Kenobi was said to have been an infamous uh, conclave. So, what's the conclave? Um, that's where I was going to get to that. 
give me one sec here. Uh, the Conclave on Kessel. So it was a place of meeting for Jedi's survivors after Order 66 in an abandoned mine on uh, Kessel. So a lot of people thought Kenobi was there. Well, he wasn't. Shocker. The uh, Jedi that Vader tortured gave him wrong info. And then over the next few months, uh, Kenobi was actually ready to train in the Way of the Wills. Now, the Way of the Wills is the training of one to become a Force ghost, to be one with the Cosmic Force. And then uh, roughly a year into his exile, Kenobi overheard spacers discussing events on Belessa, where Ferris Olin, a former Padawan, uh, Kenobi had thought dead was actually on the run from Imperial forces. Uh, Qui-Gon actually convinced Kenobi to track Olin, promising him that the quest would help Kenobi's mission to protect the Luke with the spirit of Jin temporarily looking after the one-year-old Luke. Uh, Kenobi went to uh, Belessa, and then on Belessa, he assumed that the identity of Ronhar Hanar a businessman who charged working on a pipeline outside of the city of Usa. This allowed him to access the space force of Usa through the uh, pipeline. And then, uh, then eventually he, uh, Kenobi does find Olin and helps him escape from a Rusa inquisitor, um, Malorum. And then let's see here. Kenobi then is discovered and, Shockingly enough, Obi-Wan and Olin are pursued by none other than Boba Fett. Oh boy. So, and then eventually they do, they do escape from Boba um, to the Twin Sun systems, which is the same system as Tatooine. But it is um, interesting to see that th- we do see Boba like still being hired. This is way before, you know, we see his hiring on Empire. So this is like, what, um, 18 years before Empire at this point? And we see, Yeah, we see the Empire employing him still, tracking down Jedi. Makes sense. I mean, he's probably, well, because he doesn't have accelerated growth. So Correct. Boba is like, by this point, he's um, only a little bit. He's probably, he's probably like maybe... Between eight and ten years older than Luke. No, I mean Boba would have to be in his like twenties. Yeah, because by the 30s. time Revenge of, by the time Revenge of the Sith comes, he's like a teenager, so like twelve, thirteen, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so yeah, so, so he's like cl- late twenties, thirty, thirty-five. Mm-hmm. And then um, while baiting Boba, Kenobi and Olin eventually find themselves on the planet of excuse my pronunciation, uh, Akron, I think that's how you say it, um, where they actually met two former separatists now that are now that are against the Empire, a, name na- a man named Toma and a skilled uh, pilot named Rania Quill uh, with these two new companions as well as the boy, as well as a boy from Belassa, Trevor Flume, Kenobi and Olin escaped the Imperials. Uh, Kenobi then learned that 
from Toma and Garen Maloon, an old Jedi friend of his, survived Order 66 and are hiding on the frozen world of Ilum. Which, if you hear from our previous episodes, Ilum is the ice planet where uh, all Jedi find their kyber crystals. And then Olin went to rescue um, um, Maloon, while Kenobi went to Polaris Massa to make sure Luke and Leia's birth are still a secret from the Empire. There he encountered the Inquisitor Sancor, a security expert sent by uh, Malamorum. And with the help of Polaris Masson, Manelli Toon, Kenobi tried to see one of those pretending uh, to be Oshkale, the supply officer who had witnessed the events. Kenobi also tried to misguide Sancor, offering a more tempting target on his, for his research. While Sancor saw an image of Scal and his files, the charade failed. Kenobi was forced to eliminate him. Sancor was actually killed while trying to escape from the Jedi. So it, it's getting very interesting to where he, he's having all these adventures or having this adventure while Luke is being only a, a one-year-old while Qui-Gon somehow watching him through the force. Yeah, it's interesting because I've always like, I didn't know a lot about the legends and like in conversations with other people, we were kind of hoping that like Obi-Wan wouldn't leave Tatooine because we thought in that way that he would be abandoning his duties. Mm -hmm. But now learning that it happened in legends, I'm less apprehensive about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't know, like doing this research and it's like, Oh, he actually left quite a bit (laughs) while trying to, he's supposed to be protecting Luke, but still goes off and helps other things while he's doing that. But uh, returning to Ilum, uh, Kenobi does pick up uh, Ferris, Trevor, and Garen and brought them to an asteroid that Ferris planned to make into a haven for Jedi. Olin asked Kenobi to join him, but the Jedi Master turned him down and returned to Tatooine. Kenobi had to leave the asteroid soon afterwards. He met with Olin and asked his former Padawan, asked the former Padawan, not his, but asked the former Padawan to take care of Malorum. Kenobi did not tell Olin about the birth of the Skywalker twins, but uh, specifically asked Olin to not allow Marum to discover wherever what happened at Polaris Massa. Kenobi correctly believed that the Sancor's death would not uh, deter Malcolm from continuing his research. Upon Kenobi's return, Jin's spirit came to him again, this time to tell him he was ready to train in the way of the whales. So, yeah, after all this adventuring uh, with Olin and and coming back, it gave him enough experience, I guess, to take on the training to become a horse ghost and to become one with the cosmic force. And then on Tatooine in 17 BBY, Kenobi met a shard het, another Jedi who survived Order 66. A shard was leading a Tuscan Raider group near Lars uh, Moisture Farm. Kenobi had uh, had noticed Het's activities in his exile and believed Het was frighteningly uh, close to the dark side, becoming very the very thing he was claiming to fight. Uh, he begged Het to stop his crusade there and then, not men- uh, mentioning to Het exactly why he was to defend this small farm. However, Het refused to listen. The settlers and farmers had killed countless Tuscans 
and the blood called out to uh and blood called out for blood with little choice both jedi ignited their lightsabers and find a brutal duel on the desert flat with the entire tuscan army watching them and then uh the duel ended with the loss of het's right uh arm and the extra humiliation of having his mask removed het became an outcast and asked kenobi to finish him off however kenobi would still follow the Jedi Order's tenets and would never strike down an unarmed opponent. Opponent. Instead, he made Het swear on the honor of his late father that he would leave Tatooine and never return, hoping that one day Het would see the Erebor's ways and again take up the Jedi way. Het never did, uh, never did, and eventually became a Darth Lord of the Sith, known as Darth Krait, who we see a lot later down the line of the old EU. A lot later. Like, yeah, this is like 130 years later. after Luke. Yes. Which is interesting knowing that now like a shard hat was is now Darth Krait. And knowing all that time passed, it's like now I like kind of want to dig into like how the heck did he survive that long? Well, I'm not sure on Tuscan Raiders life expectancy. Um, yeah, good point. They might have longer life expectancies then. Right. But that's that's just interesting to me. I did not know that that connection was with Dark Crate. Right. Um, which is so interesting because, I mean, he he basically, he rules the Sith for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, like, the descendants of Luke's are having issues with him. Yeah, like, Cade Skywalker, who was, like, Luke's... What, great-great-grandson? Great- yeah, something like that. Great, great grandson, maybe great, 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 great grandson um, fights Darth Krait. And so that's just crazy that this person has basically known, probably known every single one of Cade's ancestors. Yes. Actually, yeah, that's. He's known Anakin. He's known uh, possibly Luke. Yeah. That's interesting. That's cool. Um, so then after all that, uh, Kenobi, he eventually uh, supposedly founded the secret, uh, lost city of the Jedi on Yavin four and the young Ken just under seven year olds before the battle of Yavin. Um, certainly Kenobi knew the city's location as he never later, as he would later send Luke Skywalker there and Ken himself seemed to have a vague memory of the brown robed Jedi master. I want to know who Ken is. Young Ken. He was a human male. And he was known as the Jedi Prince. Uh, actually, grand, uh, he was the grandson of Palpatine. Oh. That is interesting. Yeah, Legends gets weird sometimes. It, it does. Um, I forgot how weird it gets. <laughs> it is sad that they threw out a lot of the EU, but... Mm-hmm. It's really it gets really complicated. It uh, does the storyline and just how like the timeline works was all over the place. I mean, I know a lot of people are mad that Disney killed a lot of the EU stuff, but they did that to more basically streamline this uh, timeline and to get everything and all the things they wanted like straight. And I have all these massive, you know side plots or like stuff that contilude with another because that was a lot of eu stuff did con- uh 
kind of loot within one another. Yeah. But then uh, a few years later, uh, Kenobi had found Luke and his wife, uh, and his friend, not wife, his friend Wendy, alone in the Jerlin Wastes. The two youths uh, tried to ease their boredom by wipe- riding Wendy's pet, Dewback Huey, around the waste. They had thrown uh, in one of the canyons by dusk. Luke and Wendy still hadn't found their way out of the canyon and had been cornered in a cave by a crate dragon, which is terrifying. The dragon ate Huey and then would have devoured Luke and Wendy had Kenobi not put it in a forced-induced sleep. Kenobi guided the pair back to Lair's farm. Upon arrival, Owen told Luke and his friend to go inside as they would be out of earshot, and then he confronted and berated Kenobi. Yeah, that's not good for... I don't know why Owen. I know Owen hates Obi Wan, but for crying out loud, like he saved your kid from getting killed by a giant dragon. I think it comes back to, and like you have this in the point in the show notes, is that Owen believes that he needs to do what's best for Luke. And mm-hmm. Obi Wan and Owen have very different ideas of what's best for Luke. Obi-Wan kind of has, like, the Force has a purpose for Luke, and we need to bend to that. And Owen kind of takes the more side of, like, he is a child. Um, He is in our care, and we don't, I don't want him to end up like his father, is basically that. Um, Right. And, like, there's an interesting tidbit of, like, in the new, the spoilers for the new uh book queen's hope but there's a passage in there that's from the perspective of aunt brew um and she talks about anakin and like how owen and her like view anakin in like viewing the pain and anger and so like owen associates being a jedi in that path as a path of suffering and destruction and so he for himself is motivated by keeping Luke from that path, no matter what. Gotcha. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, like the only thing they knew of Anakin was his, yeah, like you said, his anger, his suffering that he's, that he's taken on when he became a Jedi, as you see in like uh, episode two. And then the reason for Owen's anger was that Kenobi had attempted to give Anakin uh, to give Anakin light, uh, Skywalker's lightsaber to Luke, fleeing that Luke was old enough and should be allowed to have it. Owen refused uh, refused uh, to allow it to, because he believed the Jedi path was his destructive one, as Austin was just saying. Uh, he told Kenobi that he didn't want Luke to make the same mistakes Anakin did, saying that he felt Anakin should have never left his mother and gotten involved with the quote-unquote, damn foolish idealistic Jedi crusaders, end quote, in the first place. He then told Kenobi to leave and to stay away. And then that's where we get to the events of A New Hope and where we get in that film to where, you know, Luke's a lot older. Obi-Wan still watches over Luke to that day, but with Luke being a lot older, he's his own person now. Yeah, I think it's really going to show us, and I'm curious how the show's going to tackle this, of like, 
a lot of what Obi-Wan does in Legends during his time on Tatooine is very much of like he tries to help but inadvertently like makes things worse by getting mm-hmm. involved because Correct. he either attracts the attention of the empire or causes things to escalate um, to where they don't need to go and just causes more grief. So it'll be interesting to me how the show kind of deals with that. And like, if they're the trailer kind of paints like, okay, the inquisitors are on Tatooine and mm-hmm. they're looking for this Jedi and it, we see Owen there. Um, yep. And so, so it'll be interesting how that plays out. Yeah, I feel like we'll probably see something of that of that sort to where Obi-Wan thinks he's trying to help, but then, you know, makes things worse and possibly bringing... I mean, this is all speculation, so the show comes out, but um, possibly bringing the Inquisitors to Tatooine because he thought he was helping. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he'll probably have to leave try to fight and try to bring the inquisitor somewhere else to then to get back or who knows it might be some off-world adventure he does just like he does with olin i mean who knows what what we'll see right and i'll it'll just be curious to see i think that the show will probably change a lot of details um mm-hmm. but i think they'll probably as like the spirit of the story i feel like is going to feel the same to what we got in legends yeah yeah i feel like that's probably more likely it's going to happen it's just what are the event what what events are they changing yeah exactly. or what, what's the new what's what is he getting himself into that it supposedly makes things worse right the big change that i think that we're going to make which i am kind of on the fence about is i think they might have a Anakin as Vader, Obi Wan meetup. Um, oh yeah, without a doubt. I think they already yeah. confirmed that it's already been reported that eventually they will have like a meetup and possible fight. Right, which is just I kind of go back and forth. I'm like, yeah, that'll be cool. It doesn't really break canon for me because yeah, because all they all Vader says is the last time we saw each other. Exactly. Um, he doesn't specify when. <laughs> right, but I think that. It also, it's really climactic when you think of like, oh, they saw each other like 20 years ago when this man cut off all my limbs. Right. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I mean, with even if they do have a fight in this one, it's only what Luke is, what, five or six. So there's yeah. still like over a decade by the next time he meets him in A New Hope. Um. I mean, and then who knows? We might not even see a fight. They might just like, you know, meet each other through like a hologram or something like that for all we know. Um, but we do know they will be flashbacks, which is honestly what I'm really pumped to see between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Right. So I, I want to see them in Clone Wars armor. That's going to be awesome if they do that. Yeah, it will be awesome. You got any other thoughts about um, Obi-Wan? No, I think that's really it for this week's episode. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. 
Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere. <laughs> 